Point number one is God's kingdom has keys. What made Jesus offer or give these keys to Peter? Whatever criteria Jesus used to give Peter these keys is the same criteria you and I need to go by to receive and utilize the same keys. If we meet the criteria, watch this, we can get the same thing that Peter got. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I the Son of Man am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Then he says, I will give unto you the what? Keys of the kingdom of heaven. Let's talk about keys to hearing. A lot of people can't access the information because they haven't learned how to hear. Five P's I'm going to give you. In order to hear, you got to be in position to hear. Well, how do you get in position? You have to have a relationship with the Father. Remember, it was the Father that gave Peter the information. So you have to have a relationship with the Father. So you have to be born again in order to hear God's voice. The only thing you're going to hear from God if you're not born again is that you need to be saved. Here's a second P, is you have to have proximity. That means you have to be close enough so when God speaks to you, you can hear him. Then the third thing is presence. In other words, this is a cultivated environment that will help your spirit be sensitive. And you do that by worshiping and singing. You cannot just worship and sing when you come to church here on Sunday. The fourth P is purpose. In other words, this involves you asking yourself, Okay, what am I going to do with what I hear? Because a lot of people won't don't hear God because they have not decided they're going to obey him before he says it. Why should he waste his breath if he knows you haven't decided you're going to obey him on the front end? And then the last one is passion. In, in other words, this is the level of how much desire you want to hear from God. Hebrews 3.15 says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So God still speaks today. Everybody say God still speaks. God still speaks today. Hold them up real high. Thank you for joining us online. Just sit right there at your seat. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it from your chest. This is God's word. Not Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the spirit of God that is here. Thank you for Jesus who sacrificed his life and his blood for us to be where we are today. Holy Spirit, thank you for ministering to our hearts, transforming our minds so that we could serve Christ at new levels. I pray that every person who hears the word today will not allow their past, not allow their pain, nor allow their problems to, to push the word away 
because of what you're wanting to do in their hearts and in this house. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. It's good to be here this morning. How many had a good week this week? Yes. So if you're joining us today, we're in a series entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. And the focus of the series has been to provide you with insight regarding the kingdom of God and then teach you some keys to functioning in the kingdom so that your life is a reflection of heaven here on earth. And so last week we looked at some keys that would help us function in the kingdom. And so let's start our journey today in a different way. I want to start by reading a focus verse that was part of the lesson that we did on last week because there's something in it that I want to highlight before we jump into this morning's uh, main message. Uh, we looked at Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 and as I was meditating on this and looking at this uh, this week, uh, this came to me. So it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And I thought, wow, what an interesting question. Jesus is asking the people around him what people outside of him was saying about him. And so notice they say, well, they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah's or one of the prophets. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And I thought that was an interesting question, too, because sometimes we allow what other people have said about somebody. Listen, we let it uh, uh, taint our experience that we have of that person. That's sad that you let what someone else said who may not have ever met Jesus or somebody else. It's sad that we let it taint our view of the actual experience we have. And so he wanted to know, hey, well, who do you say I am? And so then they said, and uh, verse 16, and Simon Peter, everybody say Simon Peter. That's important. He said, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are uh, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he said, I will give you keys to the kingdom. But I want you to notice something. Notice that Jesus called Peter by two different names. Did you notice the first time he called him Simon Barjona? And then he turned around and he called him Peter. So I asked myself, why would Jesus do that? I thought, that's interesting. So what I did, I looked up the word or the name Simon. And when you look up the word Simon, it actually means in the Greek, hearing or to hear. So what Jesus was saying in verse 17 to Peter was... Blessed are you, Simon, or hearing Barjona. Barjona was his last name. He was saying, blessed are you. Why? Because you're able to hear. And that's why a lot of people are not blessed at new levels because they're not able to hear. And so last week, that was the key that I gave you all of why Jesus gave the keys to Peter. Because Peter was able to download information from heaven. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that, but my father is. And when you and I can download information from what the father is telling us, we will reach new levels and do things we've never experienced in our life. Say amen to that church. 
Amen. So if you're taking notes today, our lesson, I believe, this morning is going to help us because what we discovered about Peter was that he had an ability to spiritually hear And that's why Jesus gave him the keys. But what I've learned over the years about hearing from God is that it's hard to hear right if my heart ain't right. Everybody say it's hard to hear right if my heart ain't right. So our lesson this morning is going to kind of be like some medicine. Medicine does not taste good, but it's good for you. Amen. And so we're going to be talking about uh, some things that I think will challenge us. And I believe what I teach this morning is going to help us hear better because it's going to make our heart better. So if you're taking notes and if you need your notes, if you didn't have physical notes, raise your hands and our ushers will give you some notes. And if you're watching us, you can just click, click the link somewhere on the screen and they'll take us to your, uh, the notes that we have here in the house. Uh, but if you're taking notes, the message title is, are you ready? I am here to please the king. Everybody say, I am here to please the king. See, we've been biblically talking about God's kingdom and explaining why it's important. And so we talked about the kingdom and whose kingdom it is. And we talked about who's in charge. And so the father appointed Jesus to be the king of the kingdom. And the problem is, you and I will never maximize our citizenship until we are willing, say willing, until we are willing to please the king. So point number one is long, but you'll get it. Point number one is this. Jesus paid a price that we couldn't pay, therefore we owe him our life. I'm going to say that again. Jesus paid a price we could not pay. Therefore, we owe him our life. You ever owed somebody some money? Let me put it this way. Anybody ever owed you some money? Raise your hand if somebody owed you some money before. Oh, that's okay. All right. So y'all didn't raise your hand. So y'all the one that owe people money. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter seven. I want to read this because I think it'll help us get a perspective on the price that Jesus paid for us. It says, were you called while a slave? He says, then don't be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, then do that. Verse 22. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while they are free is Christ's slave. You, everybody say you. Everybody say me. You were bought with the what, church? With the price. And then it says, do do not become slaves of men. Now, the New Living Translation of verse 23 is good. I like it. It says, God paid a high price for you. Everybody say a high price. He paid a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. And many times as believers, we get saved. And the goal sometimes is to have an abundant life instead of the goal being to please the one who saved us. There's nothing wrong with the more than abundant life. It's nothing wrong with being blessed. But I think in that process and in that journey, sometimes we get lost with the fact that really we should not be pleasing us. We should be pleasing him. And this is why it's so difficult sometimes to obey God because our focus is on pleasing us. First Peter chapter one, verse 18 says this for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things 
as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition of your fathers. But verse 19 says, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice they describe Jesus' blood as precious. See, somebody, a murderer's blood, it's not precious. But someone's blood that's not tainted, that has no sin in it, that's precious blood. Amen. The New Living Translation of that verse says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious, everybody say precious. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. So listen, once we gave our lives to Jesus, our goal, our focus, and our desire should be to please him. Look at your neighbor and say, are you trying to please him? And since he's the king ruling in God's kingdom, it benefits us to try to please the king. But I believe it's difficult sometimes to obey God and try to please him because our focus is on pleasing us. But watch this now. But God didn't create us to please us. He created us to please him. Listen, sec- listen to Second Timothy chapter 2 and then I'm going to jump into something that I- I'm really going to spend a lot of time on this morning. It says, now, thou therefore endure hardness. This was Paul talking to Timothy. He says, I want you to endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Who are we a soldier for? Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 4, No man that goes to war entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may do what, church? That he may please him who's chosen him to be a, a soldier. Listen to the New Living Translation. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of the civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And it's hard nowadays to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Because non-Christians are shacking, Christians are shacking. Non-Christians are divorcing, Christians are divorcing. Amen. So why is it that there's a very small, I mean, I mean, do people know you saved? Do they know? Look at your neighbor and say, do they know you saved? No. I, I, do they, are, are you a closet Christian? Secret service Christian. So here's where I want to spend the time right here. Point number two, because point number one is Jesus paid a price that we couldn't pay. So that means you, we, we owe him. Amen. Here's point number two. I'm going to talk about keys to pleasing the king. Because I'm not just going to talk to us about that's what we ought to do. I want to give us three keys today to help us please the king. So here's key number one if you're taking notes. Remember how bad your life was before Jesus. 
This will help you please the king if you remember how bad life was. See, it was bad. You just don't remember because it's been a while. Oh, you forgot that you were a consistent drunkard. You forgot, didn't you? Listen to the New Living Translation of Romans chapter 5. Because, see, I think one of the reasons why our goal and our, our, our push is not to please God is because we forgot how bad life was before we came to him. It says, when we were utterly helpless... This is the New Living Translation of Romans 5. When we were utterly helpless, it's one thing to be helpless. It's another thing to be utterly helpless. That's like that person in that commercial. And she help, I fall, I can't get up. Why didn't the cameraman help her? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When we were utterly helpless, watch what it says. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He said, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God, he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Listen to now. The New Living Translation. Uh, because I want, I, uh, I'm in Numbers chapter 11. Because here's what happens. How many have been saved at least five years? Raise your hand. Ten years, keep your hand up. Fifteen years, keep your hand up. See, I, I got the right crowd today. Yeah. Because see, sometimes we, be, we become like the children of Israel. We get delivered out of bondage, but then we forget. So watch what happened now. This is now uh, talking about the children of Israel. It says... Uh, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and the melons and leeks and onions and garlic we wanted. We got, listen, then they said verse 6, but I, now our appetites are gone. All we eat is manna. They forgot they were slaves. Oh, you got to eat all you wanted to eat, but you were slaves. You were, listen, you were working for free. See, some of us forgotten you used to make minimum wage. And now you're making six figures. And now your heart, when God says, give me some of mine. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about this tithing thing now. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't say that when you was on minimum wage. <laughs> Come on now. You Listen, how many times did you pray that prayer? I call it the saving prayer. That said, oh, Lord, if you get me out of this. How many have ever prayed that prayer? If you get me out of this, I won't do it again. Liar. Anyway. (laughs) Me too, right? The prodigal son, listen, he stayed with his dad for so long that he forgot that his life was only better because of his dad. I'm going to say that again. The prodigal son was in his father's house for so long. That he forgot that it was his father that made his life better. Listen, he had to go out and experience the hog pen of life to realize how good he had it. And I believe that's what happens to us. We get saved and then, watch this now, we get saved and we stay saved for so long, but we slowly forget that I'm saved because his blood saved me, not because my love was for him. 
Because see, some of y'all, 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 look, y'all have maintained your salvation because you love God. No, the only way your salvation has been maintained is because the blood is still fresh. So key number one is you got to remember where you came from. Come on now. Listen, when you get home, just go through some of your old photos. You even look better now. Sin makes you look ugly. Some of y'all did. Look, you look, Jesus made you look good. Here's key number two very quickly. Obedience pleases the king. I'm talking about how to please God. Because see, when God's ready to take us to new levels, there are some criteria that go with that. You can't live sloppy and think you're going to get God's best. It doesn't work like that. And see, some of us, we function in what I call sloppy agape. Messy mercy. God knows my heart. Well, he does. We do too. John chapter 8. Watch this now. Everybody say obedience. Pleases the king. Then said Jesus unto them. When you have lifted up the son of man. Then shall you know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself. But as my father has taught me. I speak these things. Watch verse 29. And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. Watch this. Here's what we're talking about. For I do always those things that what? Jesus' focus here on earth was to please God. And that should be our focus as well. John chapter 6 verse 38. Jesus says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And that's part of this whole series on thy kingdom come. Because remember, that verse says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John chapter 5 verse 30 says, I can, this is Jesus talking, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. Now, there's schools of thought that people say God has different wills. He's got a permissive will. He's got a perfect will. No, no, God has one will. It's his divine will. He lets you do what you want to do. That's called your will. That's called my will. And so, listen, sometimes we can want something so bad, God just will say, okay, if that's what you want to do. Then we run into trouble and we run to God and be like, well, God, I was doing this. And he's, he's just sitting there going, well, you didn't ask me. You, you, you didn't ask me, did, did I want you to do it? Or you didn't, watch this. You asked me and you knew I didn't want you to do it. Amen. Listen now to the New Living Translation of Romans 15, 13. For even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scripture says. The insults of those who insult you, oh God, have fallen on me. And so there are some benefits. Everybody say benefits. I don't want to talk about just obeying God. I want to talk about some benefits to obeying God. Because most people feel that that obedience is for God or for other people. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience is always for us, even though others may sometimes benefit from it. I'm going to say that again. 
Obedience is always for us, even though others may benefit from sometimes from our obedience. So I'm going to read a couple of verses in Deuteronomy. And then I'm going to give you the other benefits of obedience. Watch what Deuteronomy says. He says, behold, this was God talking to the children of Israel. He said, behold, I set before you this day a what? A blessing and a what? A cursing. Now, we know that Christ has delivered us from curses. So I don't want to use the word curse. I want to use the word consequences. Let me tell you why. Because Christ has removed us from curses. But he didn't remove consequences from our actions. Okay. You say, well, I don't know about that. Go kill somebody and then say, Jesus, don't let them put me in prison. I'm sorry. I will be visiting you. He says, I said before you blessings and consequences. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, which I command you. And a curse or consequences if you don't obey the commandments of the Lord. But turn aside of the way which I command you this day. And don't go other, uh, after other gods. Look, in, look into uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 8 and, and through 10. He says, and you shall return and obey the voice of the Lord. And do all of his commandments which I command you. And watch what happens. And the Lord your God will make you plenteous in every work of your hand. He will cause you to have plenty in the fruit of your body and in the fruit of your cattle and in the fruit of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you hearken to his voice or obey, watch this, and keep his commandments which are written. In other words, he said, listen, obedience will cause blessings to flow in your life. Job 36, 11 says, if they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Did you know obedience is good for you? And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always want to obey God. Because obeying God sometimes is going to cost you something. When you want to say something back to somebody. You want to say it? Say it, say it, say it. And the Holy Spirit on the inside said, don't say nothing, don't say nothing, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. And you still just want to say it, say it, say it. Let me tell you something. Did you know obedience will help clean your mind up? First Peter chapter one, verse 22 says, seeing you have purified your soul. The word soul is your mind, your will, your thoughts and how you feel. He says, seeing that you have purified your souls. How? In obeying the truth through the spirit. When you and I obey the truth, when we obey the word and we follow the unctions of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? It'll clean up your thought life. Listen to the living Bible of first Peter chapter one, verse 22. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. Listen to now the GNT version. It says now that by your obedience to the truth, watch what happens. You have purified yourself. See, see, seeing how many have ever dyed your hair before? Okay, good. The dye comes with like some plastic gloves. And they want you to wear the gloves because if you don't, 
the dye will stain your hands. Now, eventually, through a lot of rubbing and a lot of washing and a lot of, eventually that, that dye will come out of your hand, but, but it stains and that's what sin does. It, it, it stains you and you don't, here's the thing, you don't know you're stained, but you're stained. It's like somebody who musty and they don't know it. <laughs> you ever been on a plane with somebody? And it's like, oh my God, who is that? Who is it? I carry some deodorant. Hey, who is it? Who needs it? Who needs it? Who needs it? Who needs it? So let me give you this because I only have six minutes. There are five types of responses to obedience. Five types. Here's number one. Emotional based obedience. Now this is where our feelings dictate our actions. It's when we make choices based on our feelings and not based on our fact. Uh, on faith. These are sense-driven decisions. These are desired decisions. These are emotional reactions to obedience. And normally they result in short-term satisfaction, but will with negative long-term consequences. That's what happens. So these are emotional based. In other words, you feel it, and so you do it. David and Bathsheba is one. That's a good example. Emotional based obedience. Here's number two, situational based response. Or obedience. And this is where our obedience is based on what's going on or in and around our life. Instead of responding to what we know is right, we react to what's happening to us. A good example is Saul when he was told to kill all the animals. And you can look this up in 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 1 through 3 and then verses 15. Samuel told him, kill everything. In fact, you look down at verse 3. God told uh, verse 2 of 1 Samuel uh, 15. It says, thus said the Lord of hosts, remember that which Amalek did to Israel and how they did them. Verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all. Everybody say all. all. He says, destroy all that they have. Don't spare nothing, but slay both man and woman and infant and sucklings and ox and sheep and camel and uh, donkeys. It, it says ass though. But I'm going to say donkey though. Okay? Because I don't cuss. I don't cuss. So how much did God tell him to kill? So look in verse uh, 7. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites. And then he captured Agag, the Amalekite king. But completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life. And they kept the best of the sheep and goats. The cattle. The fat. Uh, the calves and the lambs and everything. In fact, anything that appealed to them and they destroyed only what was worthless or a poor quality. Why did he do that? Because you keep reading the story. He says, oh, the people told me to save it. Everybody say situational based response. Here's number three very quickly. Promise driven obedience or promise driven response. This is the type of obedience uh, uh, where we choose to obey God's word because we know there's a blessing that's going to come with it. There's a reward. Like God told Peter, Jesus told Peter, go out and fish and catch a drought. See, that's, that's promise-driven obedience. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then the next one is a principle-driven obedience or principle-driven response. And this is the response of obedience where we choose to obey God because it's just the right thing to do. This is knowing that it is never wrong to do what's right. 
But then here's the one that we all need to be at. That is passion-driven obedience. And this is obeying because you love him and your love for him outweighs your personal discomfort. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So then here's the last key very quickly of what it takes to please God. And that is faith is my key to please. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? It takes faith to please God. Faith is choosing to trust when what I see looks like it's a bust. Faith is choosing to trust when I don't see it, I ain't feeling it, and I don't want to do it. But faith, see, faith is not a blind thing. Faith is just obeying what God's word says, and even though the results may look negative. So I'm about to say something strong, and I'm going to close. Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to say something strong. This is coffee. That is, it is not that decaffeinated. This is strong caffeinated coffee. It's in there. This is a triple shot. Ain't got no sugar in it, got no cream in it, straight up black. Here it is. It's not the outcome. When we obey God, it's not the outcome that he's looking at. It's our faith and trust in him to work things out regardless of how the end looks like. See, sometimes we judge, should we do something that he wants us to do? We're looking at what the outcome might be. He's not looking at the outcome. He's looking to see if you're going to obey him. So how do we apply the word today? How do we apply it? They're going to put it up there. Number one, I need you today to rate your heart. Rate your heart. So how do you rate your heart? Well, here's how I'm going to help you do that. On a scale of one to ten... Here's, a, here's how you rate it. How willing are you right now? How willing are you to do anything God wants you to do? Rate yourself. Ten. On ten. Scale to one to ten. One man being, I ain't doing nothing God wants me to do. Ten mean, I'll do anything God wants me to do. Rate yourself. Here's scale number two. Out of a scale of one to ten. Watch this now. How willing are you? To not do something you don't want. Let me say it like this. How willing are you to not do something you want to do that God doesn't want you to do? Okay, let me say that one again. How willing? See, because I do what God want me to do. I do what God want me to do. My question to you today is, how willing are you to not do something you want to do that God don't want you to do? He don't want you to marry that man. But are you going to do it? He don't want you to marry that woman. But do you want to do it? Look at your neighbor and say, rate yourself. Now look at your other neighbor and say, rate yourself or wreck yourself, whichever one you want. Here's number three. Make today your restart. Everybody say, I need to restart my heart. Well, how do you restart your heart? How do you do that? How do you do that? You do just like David said in in, uh, Psalm 51. He says, create in me, O Lord, a clean. If I say a clean heart. I'm telling you, I just believe there are loads 
of blessings coming from heaven. And God is looking at hearts to determine how to distribute them. I'm telling you what I'm seeing. I see like, uh, you know, Christmas, Christmas time, you got the gifts all wrapped up and they in wrapping paper with bow on them. I see a lot of that coming out of the sky. But I see them being dispersed to right hearts. They're not coming to everybody. See, you're praying for a million dollar contract, but see right now, you're not ready for it. It would destroy you. Because all increase does is it exposes your sin. So if you like to make it rain with thousands, what you going to do with millions? Make it rain, thunderstorm, and all that other stuff. <laughs> How many got that? How many got that? Okay. If you didn't get it, let's see me after service. I'll talk to you about it. I believe we need to restart our hearts. How many received the word today? Did you receive the word today? Amen. I want you to just raise, if you're ready to restart your heart today, just, just raise your hands right there. Father, thank you today that the word has been sown. I believe the seeds of the word have been sown on good soil. And it's going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in our lives. And Lord, we want to be the people that the blessings are distributed to because today we're praying the prayer, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And I thank you today, Father. That manifestation of what I just said is on the way in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. With every head still bowed, here's my question. If you die tonight.